you what's up and then I forget that that's a bad idea <laughs> that's a really bad idea because I can I, it makes me freeze for whatever reason asking me what's up is just like the wrong thing to do mm-hmm. hi Sabrina hi Elizabeth how's it going it's going nope I thought I remembered something that I wanted to tell you and then I did oh, it okay cool glad we did that <laughs> I'm just kidding happy Saturday we don't normally record on Saturday I think I feel better recording right now because uh, I feel like I have more energy right now yeah uh not me I really wish I slept in more on Saturdays and I do not. I wake up at the same time I do during the week with the dogs. What time do you normally wake up? Um, between five 30 and six. Holy fuck. Why? That's too early. I used to wake up way earlier. I've like finally like pushed myself back into like sleeping a little bit later. We slept in until like eight 15 and had to force storm out of bed this morning. We got yeah. him out of bed with Bojangles. <laughs> That's so cute. Oh, we were, so, um, we did, I think it was Friday. We, yesterday we did like a cousin's mall day type of thing and we were driving to the mall and there was a bojangles billboard sign and storm went oh mama bojangles mama bojangles do you know where bojangles is and i was like dude we're going to the mall and he was like yeah but bojangles sounds yummy and i was like <laughs> no no oh uh, yeah uh i really also like bojangles but i only get the fries there and mm. They never season my fries. <laughs> I mean, I get so upset every time because that's the only reason I go there. Yeah. So. I normally hate Bojangles. Like, I'm so over it. Rupert loves the crap out of that stuff, and I do not. And he wants to eat it, like, for every meal possible. But while pregnant, I really, really like their bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. Like, it's the only thing that gives me life in the do morning. Do you remember how whenever I was pregnant with Alex, I used to like eating sausage biscuits, and I hate sausage. Yeah. I hate it with a passion. And I, I, yeah, the whole time I was pregnant, I was like, oh, I just need a sausage biscuit constantly, <laughs> every day. And then as soon as I was not pregnant anymore, I tried a sausage biscuit, and I was like, oh, God, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever had. Yeah, I hate sausage. I, with Storm, I... You know, you grow up eating peanut butter and jellies or whatever, like most kids do. But I hated peanut butter and jellies growing up. Like, Mm. just I never wanted them. I didn't. So I didn't dislike them, but I just didn't ever eat them because I just didn't want to. And with Storm, when I was pregnant, I ate peanut butter and jellies all the time and like since then because of that i've been like "Mm, let's not have dinner and just have a peanut butter and jelly i love peanut butter and jelly so since we're here on this lovely saturday to do business let's talk about your movie yeah perfect thanks i was getting all tripped up so today i'm going to be covering the movie chevalier which is me being fun frenchy I'm just kidding. Uh, So it is a movie that just came out. It's actually in theaters right now. So I'm going to do my best to not spoil things. There's not really anything that can be spoiled. Well, to be fair, I mean, for me at least, even if you tell me now, I'm going to forget it by the time I watch the movie. Fair. But for people who actually have a functioning memory. Oh, can I tell? I remember what I was going to tell you. Tell me. I saw your nails and I was like, oh, that's basically the same color as my toenails. I tried painting uh, my toenails the other day. I don't remember. Oh, while the boys were bowling and then Storm went to bed early. I was watching a movie (laughs) and I was like, oh, I really need a pedicure, but I don't really have time to ever go get a pedicure. And my nail polish like was it needed to come off. 
It was really bad. It was thinned out. You could see my nails through it. It was a bad pedicure to begin with, and it just looked worse. And I was like, I'll just paint my toenails. And it was the biggest struggle of my entire life because I kept forgetting that I can't just like lean forward (laughs) because there's a baby in my way and I can't even really lean forward enough to fix (laughs) how bad do they look um if you look at this pinky toe half of it is painted and it's not even on a toenail that's hilarious (laughs) and I don't know I tried cutting my own toenails too and like this one I don't you look it's jagged as fuck just jagged as fuck I don't know and this one also that big toenail and it's a big toenail look i missed like half of it oh my god well not really half of it but like (laughs) i tried so hard and could not get it done well the idea was there yeah and maybe you can get a pedicure still before you have the baby yeah and it'll be fine it was just like a weird reminder of like oh like i am actually pregnant you know what i mean i feel like you forget you're pregnant far too often very often (laughs) unless it comes to starbucks when i'm like okay you can't have two venti coffees in a day you can't even really have a venti coffee well my kids are a little caffeine addicts because i did not adhere to that very well (laughs) (laughs) well you also had like easy pregnancies too yeah no that's fair my pregnancies are like we're gonna kill you from the inside out so you want to talk about movie yeah i would do chevalier chevalier I'm really excited. Is that about right? This. Did I say that right? I, you know what? Here's what I want to say right off the top. There's a lot of French in this episode. And guess what? I haven't taken French in a really, really long time. Can you still read it pretty well, though? Uh, yes. I cannot speak it very well. Basically, the only thing I can do is word recognition and reading. Mm-hmm. And being fair, I wasn't a good French speaker when I did do it. Because mm-hmm. as we have discussed on previous episodes, languages not it for me. I'll read it all day long. In other languages, I can recognize words very well. Yeah. Don't ask me to say it out loud because I cannot. So this is going to be a really fun episode for everyone. I can. So we had our family member had a French foreign exchange student last summer and I was pretty okay with doing conversational stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you just word quiz me, I was about to say like if you ask me what cat was but that's not fair because i know what cat is in french what is cat in french <laughs> shawl <laughs> because pas de shawl, the step of the cat yeah dance but uh yeah but if you just like quiz me randomly about like what different things are so if in french. i okay okay hear about hear me out now since we know that what's up is off the table i could just say so that would that help no, because oh, okay. that would just... I didn't I know don't. if it would like trigger another part of your brain that actually <laughs> wants to answer my question. Okay, so like I know that we're here to talk, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're on a podcast and that's what we do. But I also am really bad at talking. So if you what? ask me anything, I will go into a pure panic about it. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm also really bad at talking. <laughs> Not. It's okay, cool. I'm As really good at interrupting though. Yeah, well, I know that. (laughs) Trust me. I am here for all of it. Okay, cool. So Chevalier, right? Chevalier. Chevalier. That's the movie we're going to cover. It is still in theaters, but 
There's not really any spoilers. This is mostly the real fascinating story of Joseph Boulogneau. Okay, so even if you haven't seen it in theaters, you should at least watch the trailer because the person who plays the main character Can you not jump ahead in my notes? Smoking. Bro, I already talked about that for like five minutes straight, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> we go into it. We'll bring it up no, again No, I'm just then. kidding, but it will be brought up again probably because accurate. Well, okay, so and this is this is something that they need to know. This is the only person we've ever agreed on. That's not true. Who have we agreed on before? Very randomly, we do say, mm, yeah, we both like that person, and then it's like not a good idea, oh, probably. I don't recall any of those. Instances, we literally just did that you. last week when we stopped recording. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> we won't talk about that though. <laughs> when we were being weirdos. Anyway, that's what we're best at, though. So he this is a story of the very first famous black composer. <sighs> Sorry, Sabrina, as usual, has jumped ahead in my notes. You literally said everything in my first paragraph. Like you made me go way off track. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm just so excited about no, how I'm trying to be I'm so excited, too. I'm, I still haven't. That wasn't even really necessarily in my first paragraph, but it just got me all like bent out. Of what I was trying to do. Okay, so we're gonna have like a rough recording day. First that plane, and now those sirens. Mm-hmm. Is that even a siren? That sounds like a straight up alien landing. It is. <laughs> First the ghost tour, then the alien. Okay, so Chevalier. Chevalier. Yes. Is, okay. Sorry. I what you're not you were... gonna do is say every French word that I say after. Me. I thought you said it with like a questionable inflection, so I thought you were asking me if that was the that correct was way to do French it. French accent, ma'am. Oh, well, I'm just kidding. That no. was not. Every French word I say is gonna be a question, so just don't. Okay, answer. don't answer the question. It's a 2022 American biographical drama. Okay, that's what I was trying to say. Uh, even though it was released in the United States on April 21st. 2023. The movie actually had its world premiere at the 2022 Toronto International Film Festival. Really? Yeah. That's odd. On September 11th, 2022. So late 2022. I mean, but that's still... That's a delayed release for the U.S., right? Were they like, let's just test the water? No, they didn't just release it. They did it premiered at the film festival. Does that mean... I thought that was just like a thing. Not like that they release the movie to the theaters, right? Oh, I don't Well, because normally you do the premiere beforehand and then but it the goes film to... festival, if you look up a lot of movies, their film festival is like months ahead of the release of the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, so it, there was a release in Toronto or a film festival in Toronto? I answered so many questions that I thought you were going to ask me in my script already. Why do you always <laughs> pick the question that I did not look up? Why do you do that? Do well, you just like I'm to make so me look confused. stupid? <laughs> no, the issue is that I'm stupid and have a lot of questions. Well, me too. And I didn't Google that one. <laughs> so I don't know. To be t- continued. We'll figure that out later. Mm. Okay. Well, I think as a movie podcast, we should eventually figure that out. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a little suspense Sabrina, keep the listeners coming back while we struggle to figure out what the Toronto Film Festival Watch is. Watch our intelligence grow. <laughs> And Don't do that. Us. Don't put that expectation on us. <laughs> uh, what I think is crazy is that we're both scientists. Yeah, well. <laughs> but anyway, um, I digress a I, little bit there. I like I. So there's Rupert and I joke around all the time about how I'm not a scientist, but I'm a scientist now because I'm a stay-at-home mom. Oh, God. <laughs> so I'm a scientist. No, I just, every time I think of like, every time that Rupert and Matt make fun of us or we are together and we're being like, we just revert back to being like high school dumb. We're dumb. Like we're so dumb. But we're not. But we're not. 
I have up until like just the this semester have maintained for over almost two years now a 4.0 GPA. <laughs> I just got my very first B. I'm actually quite intelligent. <laughs> just not here and now. Okay, so here we go. The movie stars Kelvin Harrison Jr. as Joseph Belonge. So, as we have already mentioned, he is hot. He's really attractive. And I just want to take time to call for Kelvin to be cast as the lead way more often. <laughs> because I will watch any movie that he is the main character. He is smoking. I only watched the trailer and he is... Uh... He's so beautiful. He's a looker. Yeah. I could just gaze um, at him. He's a Leo. Mm, do I like Leos? I like you. I, am, I know. Leo. I know. I like you. But so is in Matt. general. Matt is a Leo? Mm-hmm. He's a team. Both Leo. Matts are a Leo. All, almost all Leos are hotties. I'm going to tell you about a not hottie Leo later in this story. Hmm. Wait, so the lead character's Leo. That's what you told me, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Not just not Joseph Boulogne, the guy that the movie's about, but yeah. the, the actor is a Leo. Why is it called Chevalier if the... Because that's a... Can you let me tell my story? Okay. I'll let let's, you talk. Let's deep breath real quick. Hold on. Reset our minds. Maybe I just need more caffeine. Maybe. I don't know why. My brain is really dumb right now. Is it... It's not bologna. Well, bolognese is a spaghetti sauce. Yeah, but that's not what it is either. Oh, it's bologna. Oh, I thought you were saying. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to shut up and let you talk because I'm real dumb today. Okay. So how are we feeling? I'll be smart by the end of this episode. All is good. Kelvin Harrison Jr., the actor. Mm-hmm. Hot. Smoking Leo. hot. That is the information we need to know. Also, also, uh, I found out he's going to be Scar in the new Lion King movie coming out next year is it a live action uh yeah i think so mufasa the lion king is what it's going to be called it comes out in 2024 mm-hmm. and he's scar Ooh. yeah he has a good voice too so that'll be nice yeah i mean i'd watch him anyway so he could just keep being casted if even if he was animated yeah. in so, hopes of him being like live yeah he played like some uh, minor roles in a lot of movies i don't know them all so please don't ask me but this is like his first like he's the for sure lead main character mm-hmm. guy so that's cool samara weaving is marie josephine which is one of the ladies in the movie i also like the name josephine a lot i like the name josephine as well uh lucy boynton as marie antoinette and okay so for a second this next actor i'm going to tell you plays marie josephine's husband and for like because they're all wearing wigs because it's like the 1800s i think the 1800s i'll have the dates in a minute i definitely thought that this was kevin spacey coming back from being blacklisted for being a gross Wait, who was Kevin Spacey again? He's in that show House of Cards on Netflix. Oh, oh, the blonde guy? No, he's not blonde. Oh. He has brown hair. He plays the uh, Speaker of the House who eventually becomes president. Spoiler. Oh, him. Yeah. That's not who I thought it was, but yeah. Okay. Okay. So Kevin Spacey, he was like, God, I used to love him so much, being completely honest. He was probably one of my favorite actors. I love his voice. I don't know. It just makes me melt. I don't think he's like especially attractive, but like I really like his voice and I like all his a lot of his movies like American Beauty. He was really good in House of Cards. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, found out during the Me Too movement that he is not a good guy 
and was doing really horrible things to men at parties. So it just really sucks that that was happening to those men. And I hate that he wasn't the guy I thought he was, unfortunately. But yeah, for a second, I was like, what the fuck? Why would they cast him in this movie? But it was not him. It was just this guy named Martin Koska, C-S-O-K-A-S. Koskas. I don't know. Uh, He's a New Zealand actor. And yeah, with the wig on and everything like that, he looked at first glance like Kevin Spacey. I'm just going to pull up the like cast photos of this movie. The movie has an 82% on the tomato meter out of 111 reviews and a 97% audience score out of more than 250 reviews. That is a good movie. Yeah. So Chevalier was projected to gross about one to three million and ended up doing about 1.5 million and finished 11th at the box office. But I feel like to be fair, quite a few really good movies came out at the same time. Especially ones that had, like, previous movies that people were... Well, and, you know, you had, like, the big cult followings, like, Dungeons and Dragons and That's what I'm stuff. saying. And, like, yeah. Evil Dead, whatever, the second Evil Dead Which movie. Which like, huge cult Yeah, following. there were, like, a, quite a few movies that came out that same weekend that were, like, big Yeah. Deals. And, like, most people don't think about just going and seeing a movie about a composer either. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I did, though. Let's get to Joseph's story. I'm going to call him Joseph the whole rest of the time, so I... Because that is a lot easier for me. So a lot of the information that I get is from Wikipedia because they had the most details, particularly about his early life. But there are also a lot of other sources I use and they're going to be in the show notes. Okay. Okay. So. Well, and for anyone out there, Wikipedia does have their sources and has become more credible than what we were told in elementary school. Well, yeah. and And to be fair, like a lot of the sources I was looking at also like we're saying the same thing as Wikipedia. Yeah. So I was like finding this in multiple areas, but piecing it together versus just reading it all in one place and verifying elsewhere. Gonna just look at Wikipedia. Yeah. Wikipedia is good for that. So Joseph was born on December 25th, 1745. So he is a Capricorn. Obviously. I feel like it was very obvious he was a Capricorn. That's what Rupert is, right? Yes. I love Capricorns. They're literally the daddies of the Zodiac, except for Rupert, because I would never call him daddy. I didn't realize at first you were using it in that way. I was like, yeah, he's a, he's a no, dad. I mean, like, like, are they normally No, they're like the responsible people? ones. But like, I just have crushes on every Capricorn that is not Rupert, basically. <laughs> <laughs> to be very same, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love no, you. No, I mean, I obviously yeah. don't have crushes on all of them, but I do, like, I can, I can spot a cop. Capricorn man immediately because that is who I've always gravitated to. Are like, they like arrogant people by nature as well? They can be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it has a lot more to do with like your whole birth chart, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Rupert's but Capricorn, like, Capricorn, Capricorn, Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> so I expected you to ask me stuff about it, but then I didn't think about the fact that we've already talked about Capricorn so much because of Rupert. But for anybody who doesn't know, they're usually described as being dedicated, hardworking, motivated, driven, logical, practical, structured, and know how to get things done. Wow. Sounds just like my husband. Except for when he doesn't want to do the something. Like just toss cauliflower wings in the sauce. It's not hard. <laughs> so he was born in what was at the time the French colony of Guadalupe, specifically in Bailiff, to either a 16 or 18 year old enslaved Senegalese African mother named Anne Nannan. Now I'm giving 16 or 18 because I saw it multiple times in different sources at those two ages. She was a teen. So she was a young teen, like not young teen, but she was a teenager. Yeah. She had been the personal maid of his father, the married plantation owner. Mm-hmm. 
George de Bologna, St. George. That just rolled off of your tongue Thank so you. nicely. Thank you. I am perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so George was legally married to Elizabeth Merican, which not American, like, <laughs> but uh, French version. <laughs> and French version of American? American. America. But it's American. American. Or whatever. I don't know. That was Spanish, actually. I love the speech <laughs> lesson that we're giving everyone right no, now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm telling you the exact wrong thing to be saying because that was 100% Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and she is French. But anyway, okay. He did, George mm-hmm. did acknowledge Joseph and gave him his last name. They That's have a, they not have a very interesting relationship, Anne and George do. We'll get into it in a little bit. Were they a thruple? No, 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 no. She was his maid, but I'll just tell you. You don't have to. I don't have to disrupt your whole life right now. No, I mean, it's fine. So I don't know, like, I don't know exactly any details about, like, their relationship, whether he, like, took advantage of her or if she was, like, a willing participant. Mm -hmm. Participant. Wow. Participant. That's you. That's 100% (laughs) you. about to say that's you miss quote queen over here don't you even fucking start with me well you it makes sense because you lived with us so for so long it was bound to happen Uh, i'm also like getting talking really fast leave me alone anyway i don't know if she was willing or if this was like i don't know what i do know though is that like they end up living together for a while in like france and he doesn't and he like doesn't seem dismissive of like he seems to i don't want to say for sure i don't know there's not a lot of like sources on their like their relationship outside of being joseph's parents right but from what it seems like it was definitely like not just like your average like white plantation owner impregnates a slave and then is just like bye whatever it was like, like a true relationship. Yeah, I, or, or to some extent, there was like some kind of relationship happening some respect. there. respect. Yeah. That's so interesting and not common. Like, no, that's not what we learn about. Yeah. So when Joseph was two years old, his father was accused of murder and he fled to France. He was in France for two years. So he fled with the... Not with them. Okay. No, he goes by himself. Okay. He's in France for two years before he's able to be pardoned and returns to Guadalupe. I'm going to try and tell you what I think happened with this little murder. However, the whole page was in French. So, <laughs> Google I, Translator, do right. your so best. So I was like, oh, I know. I can read this. And I did actually surprisingly pretty well. But I was like, let me just go back and make sure that I'm doing as good as I think I'm doing. Yeah. And yes. So I did use Google Translate just to verify. And it seems like we're all on the same page, me and Google Translate. <laughs> Look at you go. From what me and Google could tell, the murder was the result of a duel that happened when George had been visiting his uncle, Samuel de Bolin, Bolinge. George gets into a duel with a guy named Pierre Julien La Veneer de Saint Robert. That was great. So the Veneer de, I keep going to do Spanish and that is wrong. So I'm sorry, everyone. The guy he was dueling, George was dueling. He ends up getting injured in the duel and dies three days later, most likely from tetanus. I just got my Tdap vaccine yesterday. Congratulations. Thanks. But so duels back then were common and legal, right? So mm, I don't know. That's kind of how you handled like he neighborly was, 
spats and stuff. Yeah, but I don't know, because the guy died, and then that's when George fled to France in 1747 and was sentenced to death in absentia, which, listen, basically that means he was convicted while he was not there. Yeah. And that still is a thing that could be done today, even in the U.S. They don't really do it, but they could. I've heard of, like... I've heard at least one case where that happened. Did you know you can still legally duel in the U.S. as well? Uh, that's not cool. <laughs> Don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so basically in 1749, George's brother, Pierre de Boulogneau. You can just say Pierre if that makes it easier. It's fine. Okay. I'll just struggle. Uh, he was the king's secretary, and he pleaded with King Louis XV and got a letter of remission so that George could return to Guadalupe and regain possession the possessions that had been stripped of him. So he just got to go back to Guadalupe because his brother knew the king. Oh. And then the king wrote him a pardon. So he was charged, found guilty, and then knew the right person. Yeah. And was free. Nepotism. <laughs> Solves a lot of problems for people. So don't worry. So when Joseph was seven, George took him back to France for his education and installed him in a Jesuit, which is like a Society of Jesus boarding school in Angoulême. Society of Jesus boarding school? Yeah, I don't know. That's just what it... Like a Christian boarding school? Maybe. Okay. A Society of Jesus boarding school. That's, That's all I know. An and it was in way to word it. Angoulême, where George's brother Pierre would be able to keep an eye on him while... George returned to Guadalupe. So George was not an only child. No, he. So his dad had a daughter with okay. his actual wife. Okay. But he is the only child of Anne and George, to my knowledge. Okay. Yes. So in the movie, this is not a spoiler, but basically. <gasps> I have an idea. What? I wonder if his wife, wife, like his real wife, couldn't produce a male heir. And that's why. Well, it doesn't matter because. Uh, Joseph wasn't wouldn't count. He's illegitimate. He's illegitimate. But if you lay claim to him, he can Mm-mm. still be an heir. He's mixed. He can't be. He's black. He can't be heir. Why is that hard for me to like understand? I don't know, okay. but it's just what it is. So like, okay. So he just couldn't. He, he's illegitimate for one. He's black for another. It's not so going to happen. Wasn't allowed. Yeah, okay. yeah. His dad just cheated with his mom. It is what it is. So, okay. So in the movie, Joseph is shown growing up and doing everything on his own with no one. He isn't reunited with his mother until later in the movie, which this isn't a spoiler. This is all shown in the trailer for the most part. Right. But that's not really true. Like in real life, in actual real life, there are passenger records from August 26, 1755, which is about two years after he would have gone to school. Yeah. Where... George and Joseph's mother, Anne, come to Bordeaux to be reunited with Joseph. Okay. So he was just, like, kind of dropped off at this boarding school. Mm -hmm. And then he was there for two years by himself. But then his parents, both his father and his actual mother, came to visit him, came to live there. They got an apartment in Paris near the river, the Rive Gouche, which is how you say river Gouche in French. Look at you. Oh, wait, no. Madame de no, that's wrong. So that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's <laughs> wrong. It was near the Seine River. Okay. <laughs> but close enough, whatever. But they moved to Paris. They get an apartment in Paris. He, like, they're there the whole time he's in, like, the whole rest of the time he's in school. Oh. Yeah. So they move there when he's nine, and they're there till he finishes yeah, school. Yeah, they probably had to, like, wrap things up and, you know, get to the point of being able to move there with him. Yeah. So when Joseph is 13, he's enrolled in a private fencing academy which is run by Nicolas Texier de la 
Bossier. And they accepted him, right? Like Yes. They took him in. In the movie, it's like this whole thing where he has to like prove that he's a musical prodigy. Which he does do. Yeah. I don't know how many hoops they had to jump through in actual real life. It doesn't say. Well, I was just thinking like that, you know, with his skin color being such a big issue to get for him to be able to get into a prestigious school is a huge deal. Yeah. Like I said, it doesn't really go. There's not a really sorry. It doesn't really go into like. Yeah. How hard it was or was not for him. Um, Well, because that's what, what the movie's about. Well, it's what the movie talks about. The movie does talk about it, but they make it seem like he had to, like, prove himself to be able to go there. Gotcha. But the the real sources are not saying one way or another that I saw. Okay. So, at the age of 15, Joseph is progressing in fencing so rapidly that he was already beating some of the best swordsmen. And by 17, his speed was, like, unimaginable. Wow. So, he even ended up beating a fencing master... Alexandre Picard, who was the fencing master in Rouen, who had mocked him. That match was super heavily bet on, and the public was predominantly divided between those who were supporters of slavery and those who were opponents of slavery. But he was never a slave, right? No, but his mom was. And people were racist, though. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around racist stuff because I'm not a racist. So it's very, like... It's a very foreign concept and confusing to me. Yeah. So um, around, oh God, I think I talk about this later, but basically like around this time is like, I don't know about this exact time. I'll get to it later. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about like what people's attitudes were towards like different, like race, like people of color Mm -hmm. in a minute. I think if we don't, I will talk about it in a minute. Okay. So because of the divided audience, this match was super important for Joseph. Mm-hmm. And he won. And his dad gave him a horse and buggy Aww. for winning. It's like their first car. Yeah. So at some point, he started being referred to as the god of arms, which, like, <laughs> that's, that's pretty so cool. Weird. Oh, I mean, he's a really good fencer. Yeah. But- okay, but seriously, though, if it wasn't enough that he was a musical prodigy and a master fencer, he was also, like, super athletic. It's weird that they made him, tr- like, prove that he was, like, a musical prodigy to get into a fencing school. You would think that... Oh, no. I mean, that was his original school. In the movie, they don't talk specifically. It's kind of confusing. Okay. It's very vague about what school he's going to. Fencing, master, music, prodigy, super athletic. He could swim across the Seine River with only one arm. He had impeccable ath- uh, skating abilities. He was an excellent shot with a pistol and was a very strong runner and dancer. So, so I would be by vying for his hand. At this it's insane. Point. The in amount time. of things that he like showed mastery in is crazy. But yeah, so he specifically made time to fence regularly all over Paris, and he ends up meeting all kinds of different fencing masters. And he is so notoriously good at everything that even John Adams, like the second president of the United States hears about him. Thank you for saying that because I did not know who John <laughs> Adams was. <laughs> A founding father. <laughs> I okay. thought of beer and I was like, that doesn't feel right. Why are we? Please stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, founding father. Yeah. Second president. Yeah. John Adams. Duh. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Here's about him from Arthur Lee. I'm going to just tell you who he is. Okay. He was a general. He was a physician and slavery nope. opponent. All right. <laughs> that was Robert Lee in the, in the Civil War. 
put your again there. Close enough. Same last name. They could be cousins. Yeah. He was a physician and a slavery opponent who served as an American diplomat in France. Slavery and, opponent? Yeah, like he did not. Against slavery. Against slavery. And wow, I'm really dumb. No, it's okay. It, that was tricky. I was talking fast. Anyway, he helped to negotiate and sign the 1778 Treaty of Alliance with France. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he, so, okay, John Adam hears about him from Arthur Lee, and he writes about him in his diary. John Adams does? About, yeah, about Joseph, what he hears about Joseph. And he says, quote. Does, does John Adams have a little to him, like a little? Not to my knowledge. Okay. I think that everybody's just fascinated by, like, how talented he is okay. with everything. Because he writes, Lee gave us an account of St. George at Paris, a mulatto man, son of former governor. He's wrong about the governor thing, by the way. Okay. Of Guadalupe by a Negro woman. He has a sister married to a farmer general. He is the most accomplished man in Europe in writing, running, shooting, fencing, dancing, music. He will hit the button, any button, on the coat or waistcoat of the greatest masters. He will hit a crown piece in the air with a pistol ball. So, yeah, basically, safe to say John Adams was obsessed. I'm just saying, like, if I wrote about anybody in any diary of mine, okay, it but was all these because people, all they had to do. Okay, listen, they couldn't just go log on Facebook and post a status about the dude they heard about that sounded pretty cool. Or make a podcast about it. That's so I mean, they wrote in their sure, diaries. But like diaries weren't quite the same as for grown men in that time as they are for like eight year old girls. I saw this really hot guy swim across a river with one arm, and I wanted to be a mermaid in that river with him swimming. You're so weird. <laughs> okay. Anyway, little mermaid. Let me move on. <laughs> Falling like Little Mermaid falls in love with like yeah. Prince Eric, you know. Okay. Little Mermaid no, yeah, 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 falls sure. in love with one arm swimming. You don't guy. have to keep over explaining, and I got it the first time. <laughs> I was just giving you the courtesy of moving on from that cringy statement. <laughs> anyway, um, so in 1761, after he beat Alexander Picard, he graduated from the academy, and Joseph was made a gendarme du roi which is an officer of the king's bodyguard in Versailles. And a sh- so he's doing like he's doing some really big things. Yeah. And for- he also becomes a chevalier, which is French for horseman, which is the equivalent to what we would refer to as a knight. So he's got like a lot of honor behind his name. Mhm. Yeah, which he's is killing it. Which is uncommon, right? For yes. his Okay. Yeah. So the year after he beats Picard in 1762, he's challenged by a guy named Gian Valdoni, a famous Italian who came to Paris specifically to challenge Joseph. However, Joseph did not agree to duel him at first, but Valdoni basically went around and beat everybody else in the city so that Joseph would agree to fight him. <laughs> and so in his duel against Valdoni, this is the first time that Joseph is actually ever defeated. Mm-hmm. And... Because they were of comparable skill, the duel was super long and intense, but in the end, Faldoni won with four touches to two, and Joseph took the loss extremely hard. So the same year that he graduates, after he wins that fight against Picard, the first guy Mm -hmm. where he gets a horse and buggy. So that year, on April 5th, 1762, King Louis XV decrees that people of color must register with the clerk of admiralty within two months. 
there's something that's known as Code Noir, which is the law of blacks that had been in place since the 17th century. It had been put in place by King Louis XV's father, the 14th, I guess. Okay. And basically that Code Noir was like concentrating, like it concentrated on how to define the condition of slavery which was basically like the condition of how it. So were they just basically considered like, slaves, no uh, matter what? No. So it was basically like talking about the condition of slavery, which like a condition like how you would have a medical condition is how they talked about slavery. So they were saying oh. like the condition of slavery was passed through the mother, not the father. Okay. In the like code noir. So he would be good because his father was not. Well, this slave. is like kind of. I don't know exactly okay. how that's working, but it was established. His mom was a slave, so he technically would have been a slave. Mm-hmm. But okay, sorry. It just basically established all these harsh controls over conducts of slave, like how slaves were treated. And so I thought I had more on that, but no, I guess I don't. Anyway, it was just like this really fucked up thing that was basically talking about like how slavery was a condition and how it was passed through the mother, not the father, and everything I just said. Yeah. So. What Louis XV's decree is, is different. That was the one his dad put in place. The one that he has with the registration is because they're trying to limit and regulate the immigration immigration of people of color into France due to an increasing presence of people, like an already increasing presence of people of color Okay, because of the Seven Years' War. So oh. a bunch of people of color are coming right. following that war. And there were a ton of arguments being made by slave over owners and traders that had a lot of influence on the king making this decision because they were basically saying that it was necessary to maintain racial se- racial separation in order to protect their businesses. And because that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, you're a slave owner or you work in the slave trade. It does make sense that you want to try and enforce all these rules. But not if you're limiting the number of people that. No, they're like that are immigrating in because they're not they're immigrating in free. They're not immigrating oh, in as slaves. OK. Yeah. So. So you have people like Voltaire, who was like an Enlightenment philosopher mm-hmm. that argued that Africans and their descendants were all together, just genetically inferior to white people. Hmm. And it was just a racial like racially fueled. Act. Yeah. Like clusterfuck basically so in the end joseph and his mother anne both had to register by may 10th 1762 which they had done that's so annoying yeah so in 1764 okay wait so let me i just need to make sure i understand this correctly because i clearly was not following very well so the decree said that they all basically all free all people people of of color color, all people of color had to register slaves as far as i know okay it just says all people of color have to register. And the point was of it was to decrease people of color uh, immigrating. So, yeah, it's going to, like, work f- towards limiting the amount of people they allow in. Okay. So I'm not sure the ins and outs. I would have looked into it, but then I would have written, like, two pages about it, and <laughs> nobody wants that. So I'm giving you the vaguest of yeah. knowledge. For whatever reason, when you were first telling me about it, I thought that it was, like, a positive Oh, no. He was right, rewriting over his father's bad No, basically, thing. he was just adding on to his father's already pretty shitty okay. policy. So in 1764, Joseph's father, George, returned to Guadalupe at his plantation. And that same year, he wrote his will to include Joseph in it. 
giving him an annuity of 8,000 francs, as well as an adequate pension for Joseph's mother, Anne. Okay. Who stayed behind in Paris with Joseph. However, when George died in 1774, yeah, 1774, his annuity and two plantations went to his daughter, Elizabeth. And I'm assuming that was just like... Mm -hmm. And Joseph was deemed ineligible under French law to gain any title or nobility because of his, quote, illegitimate status. So he didn't get anything, really. That's really annoying. All right. So let's talk about Joseph as a musical prodigy, which is what the movie is predominantly focused on. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to give you some cool background because he's so cool and he's so much yeah. more than like a musical prodigy, prodigy no, which is fun. I appreciate that because he seems like someone I would admire from far away, like a creep. Or really up close if you're a mermaid. If I'm a mermaid, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so, all right, so there's not a lot known about what kind of training Joseph had in music, Mm -hmm. but many historians believe that because of how well his technique had been perfected, that he clearly trained a lot on the violin as a child. For a period of time, it was believed that he had trained under Jean-Marie Leclerc, who was a famous famous violinist and conductor that had founded the French Violin School, Mm -hmm. but... I think that this theory was debunked sometime around 1970, but I'm not 100% sure. It's just some stuff that I read that was saying like, mm, no, this yeah. is debunked. But other sources say that they think that theory still. Well, so I don't also know. could have just had perfect pitch as a child and That's possible you know, been too. around music enough or instruments enough for it to yeah. continue. Yeah. Um, a bunch of people also think that Joseph's technique was very similar to another French violinist named Pierre Gavine. 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 And were any of these people in Guadalupe? Um, no, but he could have trained under them in France, uh, too. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about, like, early age, but what he would have had exposure to. I don't know. So in 1764, an Italian violinist, Antonio Lolli, came to France and composed two concertos for Joseph. Listen, here's... Oh, sorry. This is something I want to say. People dedicate him, like, all these things. And I know nothing about music, so I don't know what any of this means, but I am going to say it all because someone somewhere someday will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> One listener it's not out me, there will appreciate it. And it's not it. you. Yeah. So don't ask me to elaborate. I don't know what it means. I tried to look up some of, like, what this stuff meant, and nobody helped me. Okay. Okay? So no questions, please. Got it. Thank you. Okay, in 17... I love you. I will keep my (laughs) mouth shut. You can let me know when I'm allowed to talk again. It's fine. Just let me get through this one paragraph Mm. that I know nothing about and I just wrote down. Just give me a thumbs up. Okay, cool. So in 1766, Francois-Joseph Gosec dedicated a set of six string trios to Joseph. Okay. Okay. Some theorize that this suggests that Joseph may have worked with Lolly on his violin technique and then with Gosec on his compositions. So they're oh, still trying yeah. to like figure out why, but these men are dedicating him these. They're like thank you payments type like thing. Like for... dedicating this stuff to him. So they're kind of like, okay, well maybe they're the people who trained him. Yeah. Like he's clearly important to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So I don't know. Nobody really knows for certain where he's trained. But by 1779, Joseph was playing as a violinist in Gosec's new orchestra, Concert des Amateurs. From here, things really start to pick up for Joseph. By 1770 or 1771, Joseph had his first composition, Op 1. Okay. Okay. Which was a set of six string quartets and among the first in France. A German composer, Carl Philipp Stamitz. Stamitz? I I trust you. I don't know. We'll see. 
dedicated his own set of six string quartets to Joseph, and by 1771, Joseph was appointed as concertmaster in Gossex Orchestra. Oh. Yeah. In 1772, Joseph debuted as a soloist for the same orchestra and played the first two violin concertos, which were his own composition. That's huge. Yeah, with Gossex conducting. These concertos had highly positive reception, and Joseph was said to be appreciated, well, quote, appreciated not as much for his compositions as for his performances, enrapturing especially the female members of his audience. This makes me think of the opening scene in the movie. Again, not really a spoiler, but sure. Yeah. Which is shown... Oh, no, it is shown in the trailer where he, like, is challenging Mozart. Oh, yeah, To yeah. the little violin, like, dual yeah. thing. And all the women in the audience are, like, especially captivated by him. And he's just shown as being, like, this absolute womanizer throughout, like, the whole movie. As, as yeah. was I. So, one spoiler for the real life, for real life, not the movie, is that that little musical battle between Mozart and Joseph, like, isn't believed to have actually taken place. They're wrong because okay. I know I did. Okay. So in, 17, in my fantasy. In your fantasy. In 17, it was a really funny, like a really fun scene of the movie. Yeah. And it's like right at the top, which is nice. In 1773, Joseph is designated the new conductor of the Concert des Amateurs because Gosek takes over a prestige, uh, the prestigious Concert Spirituel. Okay. Okay, and this is one of the first public concert series to exist that had began and it began back in 1725. So it's like a really big deal. Yeah. Not Joseph getting that, obviously, but Gosak getting it. Right. And so after less than two years under Joseph's direction, the group was described by Jean Benjamin de la Borde as, quote, performing with great precision and delicate nuances. Ooh. Yeah. And then it had become the, quote, best orchestra. Oh my God, what the fuck? Aka awesome. Aka aka. Okay. I hate that movie. <laughs> and I almost said movie. it. <laughs> but it's payback for what I did you last <laughs> week. <laughs> anyway. And it had become the, quote, best orchestra for symphonies in Paris and perhaps in all of Europe. So Joseph was doing great. He was hot shit. From 1773 to 1775, Joseph produced eight violin concertos and two symphonies. So violins were his his thing. His thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. He played like more than violin, I think. Right. I don't remember what ones, but that was violin preferred. was his like definitely good thing. Okay. In 1776, the Paris Opera was struggling both financially and artistically. This is another key point of the movie. And Joseph was said to have been the obvious candidate of choice for the next director of the opera, considering Mm -hmm. that he was the creator of the first disciplined French orchestra since Lully, which was another, that other guy. Yeah. But unfortunately, three of the opera's leading ladies placed a petition to the queen, Marie Antoinette, assuring that she would not allow them to have to submit to orders of a person of color. I... Yeah. Okay. So... The protesters who submitted the peti- petition put any end or put an end to any of Joseph's aspirations of reaching the level of directing music specifically because of his race. Like music for the Paris Opera. Yeah, he clearly clearly knew his stuff. Yep. So there's a rumor that the woman who one of the women who petitioned whose name was Marie Madeleine Gumard, a scorned woman. That's the idea that she she was offended because he would not reciprocate her advances. So maybe be a better singer next time. Yeah. 
who knows if that's true. It's a rumor, but I believe it. So. Well, I just, I don't know. I just. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. In an attempt to defuse any potential scandal, Louis XVI, who had t- recently taken over the throne, took back the opera from the city of Paris. And from here, Marie Antoinette just preferred to hold her concerts in her small apartment in Versailles with just a few close friends and musicians, with Joseph being one of the invitees. So they took it from Joseph. No, then- no, no. He never got it. He never got it because they petitioned okay. that he couldn't. And there was all this drama happening over him being the one who deserved it, but not being able to get it because they were petitioning that right. they didn't want to work for a person of color. And this was a common idea at that time. So they had the public backing. Yeah. It's so unfortunate. Louis Sixteenth was like, fuck all that. Not getting into this drama. And he just took it back. Okay. And instead of, I don't know how exactly it worked, but he took the opera back from the city of France, uh, Paris. However that works, I don't know. Yeah. There are things I had to not research, unfortunately. I feel like kings are just kings and could do whatever they want. Yeah. So I mean, it was an absolute monarchy, so yeah. they could do whatever they want, literally. Now the movie kind of seems to have these two events happening backwards that I'm going to talk about next. Okay. But from everything I'm seeing, they go in the order that I'm saying. Okay. So, in 1776, he's passed over for the director position, like I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Then, in 1777, he begins transitioning into predominantly working on operas instead of composing instrumental music. So, working on operas as in, like... Like, making operas. Like, creating operas. Not just, like, conducting an opera. Right. Like, creating them. So, in the movie, this isn't really a spoiler, but whatever. You know why you're here. Yeah. to talk about all of it so if you haven't seen it yet just go to the next episode and come back after you've seen it yeah and it's like again i'm not giving anything like major away that you wouldn't already read about if you learned about his life before you know uh so basically they have in the movie it's like he's actually creating an opera to do a competition for the spot of the director of the paris opera okay. conductor of the paris opera whatever you want to call it but that's it that's backwards. Like he could, he got denied the position mm-hmm. and then he was like, well, I'm just going to create my own operas. Okay. Yeah. But so it didn't really I, like I go out. I don't need you. I have my mm-hmm. own operas. Yeah. So it didn't really go the way that it showed in the movie, but okay. it all happens. I mean, overall, just maybe not in the same order. <laughs> so Ernestine is Joseph's first opera, which was performed on July 19th, 1777. The libretto, which is the textual part of the opera, uh, the, like in the pamphlet or whatever that's written f- to go along with it. Okay. Pierre Choudalou de la Clou is who wrote it. Okay. He was a French novelist, <laughs> which I could have also just said, but I wanted to say his name because I think that's also important. Yeah. It ended up being a flop. The critics really loved the music, but hated the libretto, which is usually what people give yeah. precedence over the music. Uh, Queen and Joseph did the music, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, the music's great, but the story, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't even his fault. It's Pierre's fault. Pierre Shoe Guy that I couldn't even say his name. <laughs> Queen Marie Antoinette attended, but was unable to sit through the whole performance because the audience kept echoing a character cracking his whip and crying, oi, oi. <laughs> <laughs> and... I mean, like, everybody hates her, to be fair. Oh, so they're, okay. like, all, like, talking shit to her in the audience. But Miss uh, Queen Royal 
pettiness, responded to them by calling for her driver. And then when she was leaving, she said, to Versailles, away. Marie Antoinette sucks. But that was funny. I really don't know anything about her. I mean, it's the just Kirsten like. the Dunst movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I am holding back. I have a really, really good fucking Marie Antoinette story to tell. Um, but I'm not going to tell on this podcast, like on this episode right yeah. now. Because In I. the movie. Do you want to do the movie eventually? And also, this is already going to be a lot of information. But just know there's a good story coming that involves <laughs> Marie Antoinette. It's crazy. During his time in the opera, Joseph was known to have been involved with a number of women, okay. as you could imagine. Because just FYI, the actual Joseph is also hot. Like, I, okay, so I did know that. I did look up a photo yeah. of him because I was like, is this historically accurate? Because remember, I got mad at yeah. first and then I looked up the photo and I was like, oh, that yeah. Is so he's also accurate. not too bad looking. Yeah, I would have been swooning. Uh, so there's even a man, Louis Fussell, who I was rumored. said Wooey for a second. No, I was like, I want that name. Uh, who was rumored to be a lover of his as well, but I don't know. Rumor. There's this basically this guy, I'll talk about him a little later, who just writes this whole book of gossip. <laughs> and so, like, there's all these, like, little rumors and gossips that, like, you don't know for sure because there's not facts yeah. backing it up. But people are just like, maybe. The lady whistle down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I was thinking the whole time. <laughs> Either way, people were into Joseph. Like, us also but he never had any serious relationships because he although he was a ranking member of society the laws prevented him from being with a woman of the same status and because all of the those same were status as him mm -hmm. and basically all of those women are white and he can't be with a white woman either so he just was single so as we see in the movie and the trailers so this is not a spoiler joseph is rumored to have had at least one major affair with marie josephine she was a young novelist who was married to the general of the military for the queen's court okay okay uh their affair was later discovered and ended another rumor i love this gossip dude it's my favorite <laughs> Uh, so allegedly, according to these rumors, she ended up having Joseph's child and it was taken. I bet that it was the cutest baby ever. Mm, we will never know because the husband took it away to a village to die. So, and left it to die. That's disgusting. Yeah. So. And murder. It's worth noting that this is all written by that same gossip book I just mentioned. So there's no conclusive evidence that any of this even happened. Well, the lady whistled down as hot as anything. It's probably true. And <laughs> it was a man, dude. But that's so funny oh. that it was, it's like Gossip Girl. <laughs> no context spoilers. <laughs> but anyway, there's no evidence it happened. But who knows? There's also an account by the same gossip writer. His name is Pierre, by the way. But he basically writes about how Joseph was actually attacked in the streets by Marie and Josephine's husband on well, a that, walk home with some friends. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, and some people are, like, saying, oh, it was at the hands of the monarchs. Like, they ordered the attack. But most people think it was just because Marie Josephine's husband was trying to get revenge on him. Yeah. He which makes the most sense. Had an affair. And she got pregnant, so yeah. Yeah. 
point is, is I mean, I don't condone it, but logically that makes sense. So the whole movie plot is basically surrounding this affair. I'm not going to go into it any further. That's all I have because it's really just a rumor and there's not a lot of information. And the whole movie is like based around it. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, like not fully, but like it's a big plot point. Yeah. And it's just like there's not that much information because it's pretty much just a rumor that nobody can prove. But it makes a good story. So like it's fine. But that's all I have on it. So (laughs) (laughs) moving on. After the opera failed, the Marquise de Montesson, who is who was the wife of the de Orléans, not Orleans, even though it looks just like it. But this man on YouTube yelled at me, telling me that that is not how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this lady, Marquise, is the wife of the de Orléans, which is like the duke of that town. Okay. I'm a little confused because one of Joseph's best friends who helped him get an op- into the opera after his after his concert lost funding is named Louis Philip II de Orléans. I think that's their son. You can be your No, I know. I okay. know. You can be both. He, I don't know. I don't it, I don't know if they're related because I don't know the guy's actual name. Yeah. So maybe they're not. Maybe he's just the other duke. And he ends up taking over. But, like, I don't know. It's very, very, very confusing. So, point is, Marquise, our lovely lady, hires Joseph to be the music director for her private theater. How do people just have, like, private theaters? Because like, they're fucking rich. how much money does rich. that really cost? A lot. She lived in this big house with this big private theater. He got an apartment in the uh, mansion that they lived in. Mm-hmm. And crazily enough, Mozart's mother dies. And so he ends up moving in too. And the two men live in the mansion from July 5th to, to September 11th, 1778. Okay. So the dueling thing so they're could friends. have happened. They were friends. Yeah. But like they could have dueled, you know, privately. Okay. There's no way that two composers that big lived in the same house and didn't challenge each other. Oh, I'm not saying that that's not true, but like they make it seem like different in the movie you'll see okay but anyway they live together they were they seem to be friends i don't know if they were bffs or what but they seem to be friends the marquise's husband the duke orleans appoints joseph as his lieutenant de schiss which is like his hunting lieutenant okay thank you for that because i had no idea where we were going no worries you don't like my French? I love no. I just love when you preemptively answer my questions. Oh yeah, I wrote it all down because I don't know what I'm saying either, and so everybody's gonna yell at me. And this is all gonna be great. It's a learning process. It's gonna be a great episode. People are gonna be like, "Please never do another episode where you have to say anything in French." <laughs> so his hunting lieutenant of his hunting grounds in Rancy, which is like a suburb, mm-hmm. a big suburb. Okay. And that gave him an additional salary of. 2,000 levras a year. And I just want to say, okay, it's a currency. Okay. Okay. Listen, just to give you some perspective, the French spent about 1.3 billion levras to support the Americans during the revolution, which is about 13 billion US dollars. So if my brain is working the way it's supposed to, 2,000 levras in addition to his regular salary was probably a pretty good deal. Do we know what his regular salary was? Mm-mm. It sounds like he was doing fine. Yeah. It sounds like he was getting paid. Is yeah. that whole He bit. could afford all of his side pieces. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> so he performed La Chaise by the Queen's request at the Chateau de Marlay. Mm-hmm. He went on to continue making operas, with his most successful being L'Amon Anonym. Anonymous Lover in English. So let's just pretend I said it exactly yeah. right. And that premiered in 1780. Marquise's niece, the one who owns the private theater, had actually been the one to write the libretto for that one. And that was his most successful one, which is really exciting. Oh. So in 1785, the Duke de Orleans dies. And the Marquise, his wife, is forbidden by the king to mourn her husband. I don't know why. That's I'm just dumb. telling you what they said. I bet. Okay. I bet he marries her off pretty quickly. No, no, no. No. She's higher status than him actually which is why she doesn't have the same last name as him oh yeah i didn't write that down because i went on a big rabbit trail on a lot of these people and i really tried to hone myself in (laughs) yeah so she was of higher status than him actually so it was not an even marriage so no she ended up having to just close her mansion down and go to a convent in paris and live there rude yeah. So Joseph lost his job, obviously, after that happened and his apartment all at the same time and ended up moving into a small flat in the Palais Royale. Got it. Got it. There. Okay. That's how you say it. That's what the guy told me. Oh, on right. I believe you. I believe you. I don't know. It's probably wrong. But yeah. So Louis Felipe, the guy who I was telling you was his best friend earlier. Yeah. He's now the Duke of Orleans. Okay. Okay. So he got it. He got him that apartment and it was across from the Louvre. Just to give you some perspective that he's still living good. It's all fine. Yeah. Uh, While living in the palace, Joseph was pulled into the world of politics and social activity with Felipe. And Felipe was a big fan of the British constitutional monarchy, which is a democratic monarchy that exercises its authority in accordance to a constitution. I don't know what any of that means. Like they're not a dictatorship or they're not an, uh, Okay. French, the French right now, specifically, the French monarchy is an absolute monarchy, meaning okay. that the king and the queen, the monarchy has absolute power. They can do whatever the fuck oh, they so want. Oh, so he was and he, pro-shifting it mm-hmm, to the And people. the British, theirs was de- democratic, which meant that the monarchy had to follow a constitution. They couldn't just do whatever they wanted. Okay. Yeah. I could have just said that probably, right? Joseph yeah. was currently... I think you nailed it, and you anticipated a question that I had, so... I did pretty okay this time. <laughs> I would write something down and be like, mm, I feel like she's going to ask me about that. And then I just write it in parentheses next to it. <laughs> so since Joseph was currently unemployed, Felipe approved a plan to send Joseph to London to meet the Prince of Wales, who had expressed an interest in meeting Joseph because he knew him to be a legendary fencer. And it sounds like everybody's just obsessed with him. So why are you so obsessed with me? So, because we want to marry you. Everybody just wants to marry everybody you. Everybody wants to marry you, Joseph. It's fine. So he had hoped that by sending Joseph to hang out with the Prince of Wales, the Prince of Wales would in turn support Felipe as he tried to become the future regent of France. Basically, they want oh. to overthrow the monarchy and he wants to be yeah. the new leader. He's look, like, look at my shiny toy that I bring to the table. Well, it's more just like warm up to this guy. He wants to meet you, get to know him and then be bring like back information. My friend over here. Oh, OK. Get to know him, too. I was like 5000 steps further. <laughs> and the most basic thing. Your brain works so far ahead. <laughs> You're the bigger picture. Well, I am a Pisces. We are big picture thinkers and not detail thinkers. So 
So this guy, Jacques Pierre Brissou, who had suggest is the one who suggested sending Joseph there in the first place. Mm -hmm. But his reason was because he had his own agenda. But don't worry. It's a good one. Because at first when I was reading that, I was like, ooh, you sneaky little bastard. (laughs) But it's good. So basically he wanted to send him there because he wanted Joseph, who was a person of, because Joseph was a person of color, he wanted him to contact fellow abolitionists in London to ask for their advice on Bursu's plan for Les Amis de de Noir. You looked at me and then I lost my momentum. Sorry. (laughs) I have a stupid question because I have a stupid brain today. Abolitionists. They want to get rid of slavery. I was thinking they were (laughs) pro-alcohol. You're on the right track. (laughs) All right. No, I'm just kidding. Against slavery. Yeah. That's better. Basically, he was part of, he had this plan that was called like Friends of the Blacks in French, though. Okay. And we're going to cut me saying it completely wrong. So don't worry, guys. You don't have to hear that. I saw your face change like you were going to ask me something. All momentum gone. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a stupid question. (laughs) No, it was fine. But basically, yeah, they were trying to abolish both slavery in the French colonies and the French involvement in the Atlantic slave trade. Okay. Okay. So good things. Yes, good things. He had good plans. It was not just selfish, make me future king plans. It was like, we really are trying to do something good. So Joseph goes to London around 1787 and stays with some fencing masters that he had known from when he was a uh, an apprentice before. Okay. And they arranged matches for him. And then he had to match or, and then he had a match with the prince who also ended up matching Joseph with all these other masters <laughs> to fence with. But listen, I'm so stoked to tell you about this lady. So one of the people was actually this 59 year old woman who was Chevalier Dayon and so she night Dayon. Dayon. Okay. Yeah. And okay. She actually has like this really, really long name. She's a female given the night title. Listen, listen. Okay. Wow. My chair just squeaked. Sorry. We got to okay. get you a new chair. I'm so stoked. I'm so excited to tell you about this woman. I could talk about her all freaking day but yes she is also a knight and she has a really long name i didn't put it in here because it was hard it was really hard to say but you can still look her up by the name i just said okay not only was she a knight she was a french diplomat a spy and a soldier okay she fought in this oh wait so hold on so she was a french diplomat so people know her face so how was she a spy listen i'm gonna tell you how fucking cool this lady is not all the way because I, again, I had to stop myself. Okay. So I don't actually know like the order that she was any of those particular careers also to Doesn't be fair. Matter. She was all of those, but things, no, though. she was all of them. I'm saying like, if you were saying about like, how could she be a spy if she was a diplomat? Oh, but like, oh, I'm yeah. saying, I don't know. Maybe she was after her time. Cause she basically was a soldier. She fought in the seven years war and spied for France during that war. Huh. Okay. She had really androgynous physical characteristics so that she can convince people that she was a male spy oh yeah i wish there was a a recent movie that i could do about her but they're all from like the 1920s and 1950s (laughs) so i don't know maybe i'll do one anyway because her life from what i read was like so fucking cool yeah but there's actually a bunch of like anime series about her too which is anime Uh uh-huh which is kind of interesting and some mangas i don't know it was really cool though so there was a famous painting of the match between her and joseph in which she lands a hit on joseph and of course all these rumors started afterwards it was like he was just being soft with her because she was a woman but i don't know who knows i would have gone with he was trying to woo her no, well, she was like it was, she was almost 60, dude. <laughs> so I don't think he was trying to move her. I think she's just trying to be nice. Some people were like, no, it was because of her age, because I think he had a, a match with another person. 
didn't write this down. He was also older and he kind of like behaved in the same way. So they were saying oh. like, oh, he was probably just being soft because they were older. And trying to be respectful. Yeah, but okay. who knows? He played in a concerto and also delivered Brassu's request to the abolitionists, William Wilberforce, John Wilkes, and Reverend Thomas Clarkson before leaving England. Those are some names. Yeah. So he got that message to them, which is good. So he gets back to Paris and he produces his latest opera, La Fée Garçon, which literally translates to girl boy, (laughs) if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it ended up being a flop. And critics basically said he should. Yeah. And they were basically like, dude, just just stick to music. His friend Felipe had been renovating the royal palace. I'm not even going to try and say it again. And opened (laughs) several new theaters, one of which was the Theater Bozale which was like named after his son. That's cute. Yeah. And it was a little marionette theater for children. I didn't know he had a son. Uh, not Joseph. Oh, his friend. Okay. Sorry. But Joseph wrote pieces of music for that little marionette yeah. theater. That's so cute. Okay. So just a fun little fact about what he got to do when he came back, which was do a little theater with kids or for kids. Yeah. So then some minor events take place leading up to the next part but basically i don't know he was like performing on a little brief concert tour with some people that he knew previously and i guess a general overheard the minister of finance talking about how barbarous the slave trade was and how it needed to be eliminated and felipe's new chief of staff started ramping up felipe's campaign campaign to be the alternative monarchy yeah basically all this leads up to july 14th 1789 originally i was gonna say sabrina do you know what that date is but i'm not gonna do that now so i'm just gonna tell you revolutionary war not quite but yes the fall of bastille Ah. which is like the very start So it's the fall of, storm of, Bastille. For those who don't know, this is where the revolutionary insurgents stormed and seized control of a royal fortress and prison in Bastille, and essentially what kicked off the French Revolution. So I was right. So you were right. Congratulations. So the same year that the storm of Bastille happened, Bastille happened, sorry, um, 1789, Joseph is sent back on a secret, like a quote, secret mission to London by the Duke Orléans, his friend Philip, Felipe, I mean, with the assignment of staying close to the Prince of Wales. He stayed in a super expensive hotel while he was there and went with the prince to his marine pavilion in Brighton and took him fox hunting and to races. When (laughs) Felipe arrived, he also became a regular companion of the prince. And it seems as though uh, Felipe was sent to London also on a mission quote mission like his own personal mission no i think he was sent sent there by the like literal king oh for some reason because he kind of like realizes a little bit later that the king was trying to get him out of the country like after he's already there yeah (laughs) because he's trying to like take over and be like the new yeah monarch so i think they send him there for some reason and he goes and then it's like oh wait this was actually a trick but it doesn't really matter because he just stayed with the prince and did all kinds of stuff and it was just he like was just rubbing the prince's elbow instead know, whatever so he went there with the impression that he was going to become regent of the southern netherlands mm-hmm. but that doesn't happen so 
Felipe comes back to Paris in 1790. That's like a little tangent, I guess. I don't really know like its relevance per se, other than like this is specifically something that gets in the way of him like moving forward into being like the monarch that he was trying to be, I think. Like I think he gets pushed out in just enough time that he doesn't get to take over because we all know that Napoleon takes over next, unfortunately. Oh, do we know that? We all know that. Okay. (laughs) So anyway, while in London, Joseph also met with the abolitionists, but this time he did it on his own account. After Felipe leaves, Joseph decides to join a fencing tournament in Lille. He ends up getting extremely sick while he's there and is bedridden for six weeks. He is, yeah, he's diagnosed with what was called brain fever back then. Uh, but we think that that's just meningitis like today. That's a, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's not something you just get over easily. Oh no, I'm not. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it passive. Like, Oh, it was just meningitis. I'm saying like, I, we think that it was just meningitis. Like, as in like, that's what the equivalent is. Gotcha. Yeah. Not necessarily brain fever. (laughs) One second. Okay. So he ends up writing another opera, which will be his last one, calling it Guillaume Tucker, Ole Ami du Village. Cheese? Did you say fromage? No, village. Oh, okay. It was like something, 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 cheese. I don't know. It was basically something that was... I, the only reason I said the whole thing in very terrible French is because it didn't have an... I couldn't find an English translation oh. exactly. But it's basically like a dedicated it, it's a opera that was dedicated to the citizens of Lille and so yeah he took a bunch of or he was really active in a lot of local events and took charge of a lot of the music in that area yeah and while Le- while living in Lille Joseph joined the National Guard in, later in 1789 That's because a weird of the, career well because shift. of the French Revolution oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. and he became captain of that of his like whatever unit sure in 1790 so even though he was like in the national guard and doing that part of things he was also still really active in fencing and performing music while he was stationed in the city including writing the opera i just mentioned above however by june 2nd or sorry june 21st 1791 the national guard was asked to volunteer for active duty oh so Joseph enlisted as an aide-de-camp to two generals. On April 20th, 1792, Louis XVI declared war against his brother-in-law, Francis II of Austria. Mm. And Joseph commanded a company of volunteers, which held the line near the Belgian border. This is all war stuff, and I know that that gets a little boring, but (laughs) it is important because he is also... It's his life story. Yeah, good at this too of course is he? okay tell yeah. me. so he became like a commander almost immediately obviously oh. yeah and then on september 7 1792 parliament established a cavalry which consisted of volunteers from the west indies and africa which were often referred to as the legion saint george which was comprised uh, like named after him like nicknamed after joseph and it was described as being the first non-white military unit in europe the Legion was comp- so. Was it all? Do we know if it was all people? It of was color? not all people of color, okay. but they had one specific unit. So it was made up of one seven units, seven companies. Okay, whatever. There were seven groups. One of those units was made up entirely of men of color. Okay, and it totaled out to be eight hundred infantry and two hundred cal- cavalry personnel. That's a lot of people. 
I don't think that was all one unit, though. I okay. think that was all together. Okay. Um, but yeah, one of those units in that company was entirely made up of people of color. And Joseph was its colonel. Oh. So, fun fact, if you'd like to know. I'd love to know. Okay. Joseph picked his friend, Alexandre Dumas, to be his lieutenant, lieutenant colonel, who was also the son of a French aristocrat and an African slave. And Dumas's son is the author of the Three Musketeers book. Oh. Isn't that cool? So Joseph played a role in halting what is called the Treason of Dumouris at Lille. It's a treason, treason done by this guy, Dumouris. So Good for him. It was on April 17th, 1993. But basically, General Charles Francois Dumouris had been defeated in Neerwinden, Belgium. I know that I probably didn't say that right, but it's fine. In March, he had made a secret deal with Austria. He intended. Wait, so, who okay. was this guy? What was his title? Like, he was he... a general. Okay, okay. So okay, he's high and up. he ends up making a deal with Austria after okay. he's defeated near Belgium or somewhere in Belgium okay. that I'm not going to try and say wrong again. And he intended this guy, General Dumar- Dumaris, he intended to capture Leo and crown the son of the dead king there as Louis the Seventeenth. Okay. Okay, and use the city as a base for regaining control of France. For the monarchy. Okay. Okay. Dumeris sent General Mackenzie, Mackenzie, I don't know. It's M I A C Z I N S K I. Whatever you want to say, I sure. will go with. To a town near Lille with 4,000 troops. Mackenzie told Joseph and Dumas what the plan was in person for some reason. <laughs> like what their plan was to capture Lille. So this is one of those, like, evil villains maybe monologuing in a movie? I don't know. But basically he tells them what's going to happen, so they are able to stop him. And they arrest General Dumouriez and send him back to Paris, where he's eventually executed. His troops did not try and take the city. And... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. They executed the Mackenzie guy. I apologize. Okay. And then the troops did not actually try to take the city after that, and Dumas took refuge outside of France. He got away. Okay. So, although Joseph and Dumas were technically heroes in this situation, it did not last for long. Because Joseph was eventually accused of misusing public funds, and even Dumas joined in in accusing Joseph of the wrongdoing. Yeah. What? I don't know. So Joseph was arrested on November 4th, 1793 and imprisoned without trial. The Committee of Public Safety finally decided that he had been removed without cause and he was released from prison on October 23rd, 1794. He had hoped to be reinstated and asked for reinstatement into the army on April 3rd, 1795. Mm -hmm. But he was actually arrested again only a month later during what's known as the White Terror Period during the French Revolution which is essentially just this wave of violent attacks across France, France by local activists. Right. Mm -hmm. So Joseph was released again on May 15th of that same year. So he was just doing well and they wanted to get rid of him. Basically. I mean, like they just, yeah, he was a scapegoat, I'm sure to some capacity. And they couldn't just kill him off. Yeah. I really want to go into all the history of all of this, but it's just not going to work out. So we don't have the time and we're here to do business. (laughs) The next important thing that happens that has a major effect on Joseph is the rise of Napoleon Bonaparte. I know that name. There are two things that I want to say about Napoleon. My dog has Napoleon complex. First, you know how I said that all Leos are attractive? Mm-hmm. Napoleon's not it. Is he Just a Leo? to say. Isn't he like he is a, a Leo. really short guy? He's not very short. He's 5'6", which is short for everybody except for me, maybe. But he's not as short as like 
I feel like everybody makes it sound like he was like really, really, really short. Yeah. And he wasn't. He was five six, which is <laughs> just normal short. He's shorter than me. He's taller than me. So let's just <laughs> leave it alone. Another thing I want to say is that I have a problem with the fact that Napoleon and I have the same. So he's born in August, on August 15th. And but we have the same big three, like the same moon, same sun, same rising signs. He's a Leo sun with a Capricorn moon and a Scorpion Scorpio rising. And I hate every second of that. And also, I'm way hotter than him, just for the record. Okay, so Napoleon was the de facto leader of the French Republic, which is what eventually becomes the French Empire, which Napoleon was the ruler of. Napoleon had been a French officer and politician, and he essentially tricked his way into becoming emperor of France. Okay. Okay, it's really fucking annoying. He sucks. <laughs> but basically, do you want to know how, or you don't really care? I do want to know how. Oh, okay, okay. So he basically like uh, seizes power through something called a, a coup, coup d'etat. Coup d'etat. Okay, whatever. In 1799. The coup... Uh, replace basically what he does is he replaces the current like what they currently have which is like the directory is Mm -hmm. like their current government system that they had he comes in and replaces it with like this little three-person consulate Okay. okay but the other two people are just figureheads He's the person who has the control. They're just there to be there and be like, no, look, there's three of us. We're doing the same thing. We're a government. And then after he becomes leader and that is instilled, he's like, okay, bye, you two. Yeah. We're dissolving this consulate. It's just me. That's it. That's how Napoleon's a butthead and takes over France. He's also... Uh, whatever i'll get to it so but, he didn't end up doing like any of the democracy stuff that um Joseph's no, 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 best no. Friend was it, it was to still do. like a monarch an absolute monarchy okay. napoleon is like a full-on fucking racist like one of the first things he does is like re-implement slavery so casual yeah so you know the one thing they were trying to fight against so fuck this dude like for real but uh i'm gonna get to why of like or how it like mostly affects joseph in just a little bit okay i know that this is a very history heavy episode and that's not everybody's thing it's my thing a hundred percent so i like it even though like i'm not like a huge history buff i do enjoy hearing about history and stuff because i do like those small instances where i can just prove Rupert wrong because I know something about history that he doesn't have in his yeah. little arsenal of history facts. So there you go. Tell him about the story I told you earlier. Oh, he I probably got to doesn't tell him know that. All about Rasputin when we did the yeah the vaulted Anastasia episode. <laughs> We're gonna re-record it, and everybody will hear about Rasputin and his pe- and his big old penis to come. <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> All right, so back to Joseph's story. Biographer, uh, a biographer for him, like of his story, like down the road, recent yeah. biographer named Gabriel Bonat says that he is persuaded by circumstantial evidence that after, like around this time with Napoleon coming into power, or like at least like having some authority, that Joseph journeys to St. Domingo, which is what is present day Haiti. Okay. Between April 2nd, 1796 and April 6th of 1797. So for about a year. What we know for sure is that Joseph did return from wherever he was to Paris in 1797. Okay. Um, So he left, sorry, he left when? He left in April of 1796. And then came back in 77. Mm -hmm. So he's gone for about a year. 
we're not sure where, but this biography is, biographer is pretty sure it was Haiti. Anyway, when he comes back, he takes charge of his final orchestra. And his, unfortunately, his mother passes away. Oh, no. Before um, or after? Actually, before he left. Sorry. That was, I don't know why I put that in there. Like, where I did. But yeah. his mother passed away in December of 17, uh, 1795. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then, in the late spring of 1799, Joseph got news. Okay, this is so fucked up. No. Okay, so he gets news that there have been a couple of generals that started a war between black people and mixed people that came to be known as, uh, in something that became known as the War of Knives. Okay, so we're, mm-hmm. they're already divided in society. Not in France. Okay, so listen, this happens in, he's getting word of this happening in Haiti. Like, this is happening in what is present day oh, Haiti, okay, where yeah. they think he just was. Yeah. They, I, I don't, this, he had already left by then. This is like two years after he had yeah. left from maybe being there. He gets word that these two generals have started a war and it's basically black people versus mixed race people Okay, in Haiti. This guy named Toussaint Louverture, that's probably wrong, but I didn't write it phonetically, unfortunately, was a black ex-slave who had controlled modern day Haiti and his adversary, Andre Rigaud, was a mixed free person of color who con- who controlled the south part of Haiti. Okay. And they were fighting over de facto control, like control of the whole place. Yeah. After British forces withdrew. Okay. From the colony following what was the Haitian Revolution. Okay. Okay. And after the war ended, Toussaint had taken over control and it seems like this was all stirred up by French generals like pitting them against each other in some oh. capacity. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not 100% sure of everything. Again, I really try not to let myself get too distracted because we're coming towards the end. Yeah. But yeah, it was just this very violent, horrible, like war, like civil war. Well, Haiti right now currently is also still experiencing that. Like right now, Haiti is controlled by various gangs that are at war with each other. It's like, it's really bad there right now. That's really unfortunate. Um, Like... There's a church that we, like, help sponsor type Mm -hmm. of thing. Like, there's this one guy who there who is a pastor of the church, but he does, like, a lot of, like, community outreach and, like, really trying to take care of the community there because, you know, they have, you know, food shortages and, you know, just, you know, low income and stuff like that. So he's really big into outreach in Haiti and he's had to get like an armored car because there have been so many assassination attempts against him oh my god solely from him just trying to give people food or trying to get people off of the streets type of thing yeah because like you can't be on the streets in the middle of a gang war no for sure that's really sad so unfortunately this is like like these little mini wars are still ongoing in Haiti yeah that's really unfortunate and also pretty unfortunate that we're at a pretty sad end of Joseph's story. Oh, no. Yeah. So he ends up living in some level of poverty, like not dirt poor, but definitely not where he had been at this Very point. Very different from his mm-hmm. lifestyle he's used to. He was 51 when he had been rejected from the army and he found solace in his music. He lived in a small apartment the last two years of his life. And in the spring of 1799, an untreated bladder infection is what caused him to become weak and feverish. His old friend, Nicholas Dumas who he had been friends with for quite a while, I think, 
took him in until his death, which was on June 10th, 1799. So did when Napoleon took over, he kind of lost his place in society? Um, so a little bit before that, basically after he had been arrested and all that stuff, there was like, I didn't write this down. But there was this thing that had been signed. I think I talk about it here in a second where it basically removed all people of color, officers of color from the army. Oh, that's so dumb. Um, I'm actually literally about to talk about it. I just oh. saw, like, I just, I didn't know that when you asked. I literally yeah. just saw it in my notes, though, while I was scrolling down. After Joseph dies, things do not get better, obviously. It's worth noting that the convention, who had been the previous government before mm-hmm. Napoleon, had abolished slavery in French colonies. On February 4th, 1794. Okay, wait, who was that again? The first government before Napoleon. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So, like, they had done away with slavery. Napoleon decides to reinstate it. That's, like, one of the first things he does, as I mentioned earlier. And Napoleon sent troops to Guadalupe and San Domingue, which is present Haiti, Mm -hmm. in 1802 with the orders to reinstitute slavery. People of color in Guadalupe fought valiantly but to no avail. And rather than live as slaves again, hundreds of people blew themselves up in gunpowder warehouses. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I'm uh, assuming it wasn't easier for them to flee, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they probably went into some sort of lockdown. I don't know exactly, but... That's terrible. Yeah. So, emancipation would not return again until 1848. Do we know, like, the percentage of the population that were slaves at that time? Nobody. They were all free when they came back to reinstate slavery. And so they blew themselves up because they didn't want to be slaves again. That's awful. And then, yeah, emancipation would not happen again until 1848. So like 46 years after the fact. That's a whole generation of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the assault on Santa Domingue killed people of color by thousands. And still France could not regain control. The former colony declared its independence in 1804, becoming the first black... This is in San Domingo, which is present-day Haiti. Okay. Hundreds or thousands of people died there, and France could not regain control, like, no matter what they did. So the former colony... Or that colony declared its independence in 1804. Good. And became the first black republic in the world. Good. Yeah. Uh, People of color in France also suffered setbacks as well. On May 29th, 1802... And they didn't have distance to help them either. Yeah. So I was wrong about the decree. He just wasn't reinstated into the army. I'm not 100% sure why, Joseph. But on May 9th, or sorry, on May 29th in 1802, there was a secret decree that expelled all officers of color from the army and ended the military career of General Dumas, who had been his uh, lieutenant colonel in the war. Okay. Joseph's. Joseph is pretty much lost. Wait, to- I thought Dumas was the... No, no. No, Dumas no. had been the lieutenant yeah, colonel. okay, sorry. I thought Dumas was the guy who came into bailiff for a minute. Oh, no. Okay. Joseph Boulogne was pretty much lost to history, predominantly at the hands of racism. Music moved on from Joseph, and Napoleon was an outright racist dickhead. We lost so much of the stuff that people of color like Joseph had created because Napoleon instructed the destruction of those manuscripts... Or burned down the houses that may have contained those manuscripts in them as well. Did he burn down all the theaters too? That I mean, no, Joseph- but like he just completely annihilated like yeah. anything to do with people of co- like create the creativities of like people of color and stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Napoleon just didn't want to see people of color inspired, uh, which is exactly what Joseph did. Napoleon even went so far as to ban people of color from coming within 12 miles of the city of Paris. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he was absolutely, like, the fucking worst. 
But yeah, so in the end, Joseph's music was destroyed and forgotten in order to suppress black empowerment. So how, okay, so then how is it relevant to the point that we have a movie of it now if all of his stuff was Um, destroyed? So it's just like so much of it was destroyed. Not to say that everything, but they tried to destroy as much as possible. Okay. Uh, Obviously, they have since found things. People wrote about him in their journals and diaries and stuff like that. Kind of like what we saw with John Adams. Like, there are things about him that we still can find, like historians have pieced together like over time. Right. But even still, I mean, we don't know everything. And a lot of it is like left to rumor, like I said. He could have um, been greater than we even think now. Yeah. Who knows? He is pretty fucking cool. And it's just really sad. And obviously, like this has been an ongoing trend even to this day. Could you imagine if he were alive today, though? He would literally be able to take over the world. Probably. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I just really, really love this movie. It was so cool learning about him. I had never heard of Joseph Bologna before. And um, I just think it's a really important movie because they're really like, this is all about like uplifting. The movie itself like really focuses on like black empowerment, which I think is really, really great because so many times when, even when you're talking about people of color in movies and they're supposed to be at the forefront of the movie they get so whitewashed and that this movie just doesn't seem to do that very much which is really really nice they have no problem accurate representation which is very hard to come yeah and they don't have a problem with talking about like the bad things that white people did do and still do to people of color so i think it's really great this movie was so good made me cry like three times (laughs) not really but it did make me cry i was just loved it so much yeah i can't wait to see it Um, the people sitting next to me in the movie theater also loved it so much they kept like clapping and cheering and like the one guy like not recorded the whole movie or anything but he recorded like a clip of the concert or something and i know it was like an old man (laughs) and i like heard it and i only know it because he like was only a few seats away from me and i heard his like phone replaying it like when he yeah anyway it was cool it was fun uh so yeah that was my movie i really like that i know that i talked about a lot of like random history stuff yeah i think that just has a lot more to do with the fact like we don't have a way of knowing everything so but overall do you think the movie after seeing it what do you think they did a good job of keeping it accurate to his true story Uh, or do you think they like dramatized a lot of it no i think that they definitely dramatized it i don't think they kept it like i think they kept in good pieces of information like good things but like one of the things that the movie does is make him seem very, very arrogant. And what I was reading in some of the sources that I saw was like, that wasn't really his attitude. That wasn't like an attitude that people really had. Like he didn't have that. He wouldn't have been like that. Most likely the way that he behaved in the movie. Okay. Well, I was going to say I'm married to Capricorn. Capricorn, Yeah. I think he, I think he had like some level of arrogance to him. I'm not saying he didn't, but like the, outright like way that he behaved in that movie i don't think that's accurate well also because he probably would have had to like still even though he was an esteemed person in society he probably still had to tiptoe exactly like i don't think that it's arrogant exactly opportunity to be arrogant yeah and you'll see anybody who has seen the movie or when you guys do see the movie you'll see what i'm talking about that it's just kind of like "Mm, i don't think that's quite how that would have gone right but like Yeah, I mean, I think that they were just trying to make a movie. And I think it's really good that they're, like, showing people who he is. And people who are curious can go online and, like, look him up and find out all the stuff. It was a story that needed to be told. Yeah. So, anyway, really loved that movie. Hopefully this wasn't 
too history heavy for everybody and you guys also <laughs> loved my episode of the movie oh i loved it thank you is there anything you want to say mm, i don't think so all right well uh if you are loving our episodes so far even and our better audio quality oh yeah and our better audio quality quality and you guys want an only fans Follow us on social media so we can bug We're Sabrina not about it. We're getting an OnlyFans. Rupert, I was talking to Rupert about the um, the OnlyFans bit, and he was like, well, you know that's what they were originally made for. Like, soccer players dominated OnlyFans until people realized that they could use it for pornography stuff. And I was like, oh, so it's like a legit thing? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was talking about the butt stuff. Oh, yeah. So anyway. Well. All right, Not cool. the soccer stuff. <laughs> Follow us on social media at the Based on Podcast everywhere. Yeah. And tell your friends about us. And we're about to go on a beach trip, so you're going to get a lot of us on social media next week. Maybe. We're still practicing. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.